Happy New Year, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. I bet, like me, you're looking forward to a year of adventure, hopefully events, and great gravel riding in 2021. The Gravel Ride Podcast is brought to you by a small number of sponsors, but mainly from support from listeners like you. You can visit buymeacoffee.com slash thegravelride to support the Gravel Ride Podcast. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Gregor von Medesa. It's a bit of an interesting story how Gregor came on my radar. One of my riding buddies in Mill Valley, Daniel, had mentioned in passing a race called La Munga in South Africa with the tagline, Toughest Race on Earth. I hadn't heard of it at the time, and by the end of our ride, I'd forgotten he even mentioned it to me, to be honest. But a few months later, I ran into him on the street and had a little bit more time to talk, and he asked me again about the manga and mentioned that his friend Gregor had just completed it. He told me a little bit more about this 1,000-kilometer race across South Africa, and I was very much intrigued and excited for the connection to Gregor. I was even more excited after having a little back and forth with Gregor and learned about some of his adventures and what's really driven him to compete in these ultra-endurance races. Gregor's currently based in Namibia, in Africa, and he described how the country and the countryside and the local riders drew him into off-road adventures and started exposing him to events like Namibia's Desert Dash and ultimately led him to the start line of the Munga. Gregor had so many great stories to share, I've actually broken this episode down into two parts. So without further ado, let's jump into part one. Gregor, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Greg. I am super excited to learn more about you and your adventures. I think the listener is really going to get a kick out of this because we don't, I don't think in the history of the Gravel Ride podcast, we've spoken to anybody in Africa or anybody racing on that continent. So I'm super excited to learn more about you and the event La Munga in South Africa. Excellent, Craig, and uh, really happy to be part of your of your show. I've really tremendously enjoyed a lot of the episodes uh, before, so happy to have the conversation. That's amazing to have a growing African audience for the podcast. <laughs> and I do hail from uh, from Europe to start with, so um, obviously this is also an extension of the European community here in Africa. Great. Well, Gregor, let's start off by learning just a little bit more of your background as a cyclist and, and perhaps a little bit more about how you found yourself in Namibia. So, yeah, um, I found myself in Namibia with my family for the last two years now. Absolutely privileged to be here. This is a fantastic, um, absolutely stunning country. Um, perfectly suited, I must say, from the beginning uh, for gravel uh, cycling and mountain biking uh, very sparsely populated, uh, a lot of wildlife, um, beautiful deserts, dunes, you name it, everything that you could dream of uh, as a gravel cyclist. And um, I've been here, yes, luckily for the last couple of years, probably another few years here uh, with my family. We're kind of uh, modern time nomads, um, so to speak. And so uh, we really are here as as guests in this beautiful country, um, and this is where the gravel cycling really for me has taken a completely new dimension. Amazing! Um, and I've really actually started cycling in earnest. Let's put it this way: um, in in Namibia, the way that I do now. So, for the geographically challenged, Namibia is it borders South Africa right to the north. Is that correct? 
So to that's right. So south of Namibia is South Africa. So we are north of uh, South Africa. We are between South Africa, Botswana to the east, Angola to the north, and then the Atlantic Ocean to uh, to the west. And we are our border is also 200 meters away from from Zimbabwe. So that whole region where the Victoria Falls are in the southern tip of the continent. Great. And so with your cycling background, you mentioned you, you sort of picked it up in earnest during your time in Namibia. That's pretty amazing considering the adventure we're about to discuss on the podcast. Did you have any cycling in your, in your past when you were in Europe, for example? Yes. I mean, I think like many um, of us probably, uh, and certainly also in, in, in Europe, uh, cycling has really become part of our culture, hasn't it? So, I mean, I remember vividly being um, absolutely mesmerized by the few um, you know, first impressions that I had, I, I guess, as a child, like many of us, this total freedom when you're on your bike and you're able to roam around without the purview of our own parents. Um, and then, of course, that became part of our um, commute, of our life, uh, way of thinking, way of living as well. I think the, uh, of course, ecological or environmental movement has done a lot in the uh, last few years also to bring cycling, rightly so, to to a proper means of transport. So, all my life, really, I've been I've been on a bike um, as a kid, uh, going to school, going to university as a young professional, and in, in, in back in the days in New York or in Washington D.C. and then and then now more recently, I would say, really um, as a sport. But initially, it was it was probably more as a way of life or as a means of transport. Um, before Namibia, I was based also with my family. We were based in Jerusalem, so I was. Um, doing quite a bit of uh, mountain biking there uh, from the Jerusalem Heights all the way to the to the Dead Sea in the West Bank uh, as well. And so this is where I would say my passion for mountain biking started. Um, but it's only now that I've actually been in Namibia for the last couple of years because the cycling community is, is so huge here and, uh, and so enthusiastic um that that mountain biking took a different dimension in my life um and and certainly also then the the gravel cycling per se because of the endless gravel roads and and open spaces that we enjoy here in namibia that makes sense so in namibia is there sort of a, a mountain bike or gravel event culture that has been emerging while you were there oh yeah it's huge i mean way before i arrived of course um so a big cycling community um, that fully embraced me, took me under their wing here. It, it was really a, a bit of a, of a coincidence, but I ended up also living um, in, in a part of town, a little bit outside of town with many of my neighbors being actually big figures in, in the Namibian community, uh, including my good friend and neighbor, Henry Parker, who, who won many um, cycling events, including, in fact, the female uh, Munga uh, last year, f uh, female finisher. Um, but there's one big flagship uh, in in Namibia, a mountain bike race. It's every year. It's actually happened just a couple of weeks ago in in December here. It's called the Desert Dash, and it um, it connects the capital city of Windhoek to the coastal town of Swakopmund, 370 odd kilometers. So you'll tell me what this is in miles. <laughs> um, <laughs> over a 24-hour period and it crosses basically the parts of the Namib desert uh, overnight of course it starts pretty much at noon and, and you have to reach the coastal town uh, before noon the next day so 370 kilometers um, is, is around yeah 220 miles something of that sort 
Um, so it's it's a fair distance, but it rolls nicely. Uh, it's a beautiful event that you can do solo, that you can do in two two people team or four people mixed or um, or gender specific. Um, and it's hugely popular with a lot of people coming also abroad, and it's been growing over the years. So I've participated in that last year. That was my first occasion to participate in it when I when I arrived in Namibia. I did the solo with a bunch of friends. We we all rolled together uh, as as a solo as solo riders, and absolutely loved it. And and this is where I think I really discovered my passion for um, longer distance or longer distance uh, riding. Um, and, and overnight riding, um, and, and this is where it really all kind of came to play and, and, and started to make a lot of sense in, in, my, in my cycling passion. Fascinating. You know, for the listener, this seems like an extreme event, even this 380-kilometer this event. Were you actually taking rest on the side of the road and, and sort of camping in a bivy, or were you, your team and yourself just moving the entire night long? No, so you really move. I mean, of course, some people may want to take a break at one point, but um, actually the event is uh, planned in such a way that you can't really take an awful lot of time off. Um, if something major happens, if you've got a major technical issue, apart if you're a very fast rider, um, uh, but you can't really waste too much time. So you obviously stop, you've got water points, so it's, um, it's, uh, it's a supported race in the sense that you do have water points you don't have to carry compared to the, the Munga that we'll be discussing shortly, you don't have to carry a lot of uh, gear with you. You can really kind of um, go along, uh, enjoy the ride full full on. You've got water points strategically located at sufficient you know, distances, so you don't have to worry um, too much about food or about water. Um, for the solo riders, you've got a midpoint um, that you pretty much reach middle of the night, uh, around midnight where that's the first time that you would actually be able to see uh, the car that kind of supports you and, and where you can have maybe a little bit more proper food, kind of a hot meal or of some sort. Um, but otherwise, it's it's actually very enjoyable because um, the entire organization is done so that you can really just focus on your riding. Um, and you don't necessarily need a part if you something happens to you, but otherwise, because it's a one-night event, 24 hours, you... Um, most most riders really just ride on, don't actually take a substantial break uh, for sleeping or anything of that sort. So it's it's no bike packing compared to to maybe other events. It's really just a sprint, twenty four hour kind of uh, cycle, mountain bike race uh, through the desert. It's such a fascinating format to me, and I, I sort of would admit to being a bit naive for it, and certainly never participated in that format myself. I believe there are those type of events in North America, but I haven't seen very many of them. And I'm sure my listeners will correct me on that immediately. And I look forward to that. So I guess one of the fascinations of, of that is that because Namibia is such a sparsely populated country, you are immediately, the moment you leave town, you're pretty much by yourself. Of course, you've got riders um, around you, uh, but very quickly also, even with a fairly large amount of riders, you 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 end up actually by yourself quite a bit. And in the night, it's beautiful. You're under the stars. Um, you've got no light pollution. Uh, all you can see pretty much is probably your own lights. And if you switch those off, maybe a light, you know, um, ahead of you or, 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 you know, a few hundred meters behind you or whatever. But it's it's really an experience which to me really was transformative in the sense that it's very therapeutic. It's uh, very meditative. 
of course, you've got your moments of struggle. You you kind of hit the few bumps here and there. You've got a, a few proper slopes and uh, and one one mountain pass to kind of go down. But uh, but it's a very um, beautiful um, event in terms of getting into the zone and really enjoying cycling to uh, to the extent that many of us obviously love it and love cycling for. Yeah, I think that's a common thread, certainly with my, my partner in the In the Dirt episodes, just this idea of rolling meditation. And there is something that is discovered as humans when we push ourselves that far. And I always like to encourage people to know that they are capable of these types of adventures. It's really just a matter of clipping in, planning, and, and trying. Absolutely. I mean, and yeah, uh, I, I think some of us who practice yoga i've been practicing yoga for the last 20 years or even longer through my through my mom and grandmother um education as well and i would call it yoga on wheels um it it uh it really resonates with a lot of the the elements and and especially when you kind of come to your limits or you are able to acknowledge also your own uh limitations or overcome sometimes your own mental limitations i think it it brings in this really interesting dimension which is way beyond i think just a sportive uh, element to it when you go on a on a more um regular kind of training ride for an hour a couple of hours i think the moment that we we hit the kind of six hour um milestone very often something switches on at, at least that's been my experience um my very modest experience of course only for the the last couple of years or so but it's um it's it's in this ultra um, distance or ultra endurance that I found a profound sense of of meaning sometimes and sometimes facing adversity or, or or even suffering if we may call it suffering because of course suffering there is especially you know after multi day uh, multi day riding <laughs> we'll come to this in a moment uh, with the munga I've had my my fair share of, of discovering. Um, physical suffering there but but it's I, I think it's also part of it it's actually being able to find meaning in life uh, through our actions through um, through through the love that we have for others but also sometimes through suffering I mean there's many authors <laughs> out there that basically have described that very well um, through through different experiences and I think um, without wanting to be masochistic um, in any way, um, I, I think these ultra endurance uh, elements really have this 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 natural attraction in in some parts of our lives or some points in our life um, is to be able to overcome those and and embrace fully actually the challenges that we face sometimes through riding those long distances. And I think there's they are they are complete part of the reason why many of us are attracted more and more. I think to those long, um, long distance ridings, long distance events and ultra endurance overall. Yeah, that's so true. I remember a, a coach a long time ago had in describing the benefits of the training was always referring to, well, you put that in the bank and when things get tough, remember that mm. tough workout. And I think right. these type of major long distance transformative events you're putting that in the bank and you're able to reference that in any aspect of your life. So whether you're dealing with emotional stress or physical disease, you know you've been capable of achieving this thing that was very, very hard in the moment. And I think that can provide a lot of solace for any element of your life when you're, when you're having challenges. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, uh, yeah, in our professional lives, it's, it's, it's the case 
um, but also probably as parents, I think you've got also young kids like I do. And and it's just beautiful uh, to be able to come back and, and feel strengthened and embrace um, and embrace all these elements. Um, so yeah, to, to some extent, I think this is what makes us better human beings is to be able to live our sport, our passion, because actually it brings, um, you know, to some, some extent, it brings actually deep meaning also to our lives besides the obvious benefits of the, of the physical activity itself. Um, so without wanting to become too philosophical about it, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, this is some, something that certainly attracts a lot of us. And, and the reason why probably our passion, our sport has become increasingly popular, I think, uh, those last few years as well. Yeah, absolutely. So our mutual friend introduced us, Daniel. And in my first conversation with Daniel, he said, you have to talk to Gregor. You have to learn about the manga. And I said, Daniel, what is the manga? And he said, it's listed as the toughest race on earth. So you, you had competed in the, the, the Desert Dash in Namibia. What the heck attracted you to the manga? And can you tell the listener a little bit about what the manga is all about? Yeah, no. And, and first of all, great that you, you mentioned Dan. Dan is a dear friend of mine and, and fantastic indeed that he also is the one who introduced me, by the way, to your podcast. So big high fives to him. Dan, I love you. <laughs> and I hope uh, we'll be riding again together. Dan actually came to uh, to see me in Namibia and we, we rode through the Namib desert for four days together. That was an epic ride. He had to uh, suffer a lot through the, the heat of the desert that I... Um, I took him through uh, and he did wonderfully well. So yeah, fantastic to, to be in touch through Dan here. Nice. So in fact, yeah, the, the Munga, as you mentioned, is is this epic race really in uh, in South Africa that many people uh, were telling me about in Namibia. Obviously, it's, it's, it doesn't seem to be that well known. At least I didn't, I hadn't heard about it before um, necessarily in, in perhaps in, in North America or in Europe, in other parts of the world. Uh, but I think it's been increasingly now um, visited as a race over the last few years. I think it was only the fifth or the sixth edition, I stand uh, on the correction, this year. So maybe that's also why it's not um, hugely known yet, but obviously it's increasingly so. Um, I think it probably would need uh, another couple of years to, to, be, uh, to be seen as, as, a, as a major event uh, on the yearly calendar, but uh, it's certainly getting there. Alex Harris, who is the organizer, has been the organizer, the founder and the organizer of the race ever since his inception, um, is really a cycling legend uh, here in, in this part of the continent. Um, he's actually set the new record for the Freedom Challenge just this year, which is this um, amazing race crossing the entire uh, South African uh, country. Um, and obviously, Freedom Challenge obviously resonates with Mandela's um, Freedom Struggle. So that's uh, that's a, a track um, that was established to basically cross the entire country uh, after independence, after apartheid. And um, and basically, Alex Harris really made a, a huge name for himself and for the sport um, of setting new new records now. And so he's the organizer of the Munga, and that's that's how the Munga started also becoming more and more. Uh, popular. And so my good friend that I mentioned before, Henry Parker, when I was preparing for my first uh, dash last year and, and really just getting to know uh, gravel riding, um, she at the same time pretty much participated in the Munga. And we here in the Namibian community just followed her with, with awe. 
um, watch dot, uh, dot watching her uh, through through a, a part of, of South Africa where the Munga rides. Um, and so this is how basically I, I started to know about it. And once I did the the dead dash here and I started to recognize that I'm I'm really into into this. Um, she basically is the one who encouraged me into to consider doing the Munga, which is um, a multi-day event. So the format of the Munga is um, over uh, a little bit over 1,000 kilometers. So I think just 700 miles or so. Uh, this year's edition was slightly longer. It was 1,100 on my on my Wahoo. It was 1,150. I think it was meant to be a little bit shorter than that. I probably did a few detours finding water, and there might have been also some glitches on my Wahoo. But so that's around 777 or something uh, of that sort uh, miles. It runs from the town of Bloemfontein. That's between uh, Johannesburg and Cape Town. Uh, and it goes all the way pretty much to Cape Town, to a, to a small town called Wellington, where the, 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 the wine estates around Cape Town are, around Stellenbosch area. So beautiful because you actually start from the free state of Bloemfontein, which is very harsh. Um, it's, it's a farming community state. Uh, it's flat. Uh, it looks probably a bit like the, the Midwest. And then you start going right into, uh, very quickly, you start reaching the desert of the Karoo and then the Tankwa Karoo. So for the better part of the race, you're actually really in a very harsh environment um, in the desert. And then you reach Cape Town, which is then becoming green and, and lush and, and, and beautiful. And you're welcomed by a wine estate <laughs> to finish your race. Um, so it's a beautiful event um, that runs of uh, runs over a maximum of, of five days. So 124 hours, it's the color. Um, so, of course, most riders try to finish a little bit uh, uh, sooner than that. Um, and, uh, and that's basically the basic setup for, for the race. And this year, of course, with COVID, um, the number of participants were, were a bit less. We were 140 to start with. Um, and I think about two thirds of us uh, finished in the, the five day period. Wow. So I, I believe you told me for the desert dash, you had been on a mountain bike, but you made a different choice for the manga. Is that correct? Yes, correct. So um, yeah, gravel, gravel bikes are not that popular yet i think in this part of the world overall so last year by default my my choice i didn't really know much better i would say um was was a mountain bike so um, uh, i would say a very uh, conventional mountain bike for the desert dash i soon start realizing um kind of reading up a little bit and seeing what was happening in other parts of the world uh, notably in, in north america or the tour divide or other other races but also in in uh, increasingly so now also in europe that gravel riding was becoming popular and 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 it seemed to make a lot of sense for me for the wide open gravel um, roads that we have in uh, in namibia that probably a gravel bike might be more efficient um lighter potentially but also when you do on a when you go on a multi-day trip you basically also reduce the risk of um of having troubles with your with your shocks for instance um so yeah basically looked around a little bit i found this really great community um around the 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 mark um the trend the, the trade sorry uh curve it's a bunch of really cool guys uh based in in melbourne 
Um, Rhino is one of them. He's actually from South Africa originally. JC Carlson and Sarah Hammond. Hammond, sorry if I mispronounce your name, guys. Um, they um, they they became uh, famous um, through different races. Sarah and Jesse won uh, a few of those uh, those big events, including the Trans Am, the Tour Divide, setting setting records there. Uh, and they basically did uh, a lot of that on those curve um, on those curved gravel bikes, so without trucks, and um, and did amazingly well. The the the, the bikes are beautiful. Um, the one that I have now is um, is of titanium with a carb uh, carbon fork, um, and basically really just allows for a range of different options in, in gravel riding, mixed terrain, uh, with with rougher um, rougher ability on on some of their bikes, um, and then and then more lenient ones. Uh, on others for for races, including, for instance, the TCR in Europe, the transcontinental race, which I'm looking at hopefully doing uh, next year. Wow. I'm familiar with the brand Curve, and one of the things that I often get marketed to from them is the ultra-wide handlebar. Is that something you adopted with the bike? Absolutely. Yeah, and it's good that you mentioned that, I guess, for all our friends, uh, tech nerdies or gear nerdies. It's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I can't really compare it that much with other Gravel bikes, I've tested a few, but it really gives you an impression um, of the best sense between a, a mountain bike and and a traditional road bike, if you like. Or, or I think they've mastered um, the the sensation that you have on your bike. It's really forgiving. Um, it gives you, in my sense, an amazing riding ability, reactiveness to the to the cycling. Um, and so I really found. Uh, a brand I think that fitted basically what I was looking for in terms of uh, the the feelings on on the on the bike and a good mate of mine Benki um, Kevin Benkenstein who uh, who won the Munga last year is is kind of the the brand ambassador if you like in South Africa and he's the one who uh, who basically introduced me now also to 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 the bike that I have um, so very grateful for that. We were able to basically fine-tune exactly what I had in mind, what I thought would be best suited. Um, and so, yeah, the, the matchmaking was perfect in that sense. And where did you go with the tire size? How, how big of a tire did you run for this event? So for the Munga, I was actually on Panaracer's 50 millimeters. Okay. Um, because I was on a bike, which is a very uh, wide-range option bike with tremendous uh, capabilities for mixed terrain so you can actually change also um, the, the the tire sizes if you like and the tire clearing is actually um, awesome in that sense um, having said that incidentally i just had a, a chat with benki this morning um, and probably for the munga i would recommend uh, slightly wider tires um, so probably two inch 2.2 2.3 some of the other riders that had curves. Most of the riders, by the way, I should say, on the Munga have also mountain bikes. But I think it's absolutely great to do it on, on gravel bikes. Um, I had a lot of fun doing it on a gravel bike. The only thing that I would probably do if I had to do it again next week <laughs> would be to change uh, my 50 mil probably for something slightly uh, larger uh, because there are some rough patches. Uh, but then on obviously on the, on the, the smoother ones, Fantastic! You you can really roll uh, quite fast there and, and and enjoy it as well. That makes uh, sense. But the Munga was rougher than what I had expected. Certainly rougher than the the, the dash. 
So that's part one of my conversation with Gregor. In part two, we're going to dive deep into his experiences at the Munga and the charitable organization he was fundraising for that kept him driving forward kilometer after kilometer. Part two will be in your feed next week at this time, so make sure if you're not already a subscriber to hit the subscribe button below. And if you have a moment, I'd love for you to do two things. One is provide a rating or review for the show. It's hugely important for our discoverability as a podcast. And two, if you're interested in joining the conversation further, I encourage you to join me in the ridership. It's our new gravel and adventure cycling forum that is connecting athletes from all over the world. Membership is completely free, and you just need to visit www.theridership.com for your invite. So that's it for this week. We'll see you next week for part two of Gregor's Tales at the Munga. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels. Thank you.